But just okay. But just okay? <laughs> Not exemplary? <laughs> Not exemplary. Not excellent? Not, uh, you know. How about above average? <laughs> yeah. That is... Yeah. So, well, sorry. What? That is for other people to decide. Oh, I see. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to start again. It's... 8.42 a.m. Saturday, May the 15th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane show. Really? Well, I mean, I can't get the, I can't get the thing. Okay. Sorry. Well, we got sunshine streaming in through the, uh, through the, the slatted windows. Are they slatted? I guess they're slatted. Yeah, they're slatted. They're blinds. Blinds. The slatted windows. I just came out of my face and I was wondering, does that even make sense? Slatted it, windows? It makes sense to me. Good. And uh, the house looks very cozy and kind of, I don't know, earth tones, you know, earth tones people, like the hippies say. Do the hippies say that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Me either. You don't know all the things that are coming out of your no, mouth right they just, now? they just fall out uh, randomly. But that's okay. You know, it's just us. <laughs> yes, Doing the is. thing. Doing the thing. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. As we do the thing, on most uh, Saturdays, we do the thing. Ah, ham and eggs. So here it is. Another <laughs> chapter in the larger thing, which is made up of... Countless smaller things interwoven and intermingled and cohabitating within the earth tonal confines. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll take that. You know you? Yeah. You know, Diane. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. It's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine. It as has. per usual. You boy. Why don't you tell us a little bit it's good coffee. about some of those, <laughs> those uh, you know, hectic details. Um, and I'll try to remember some of mine while you're speaking. <laughs> okay. Okay? Yeah, that'll be great. Well, I think a real highlight for me of this yeah. week was the, the comedy comments that Bill Woolham has been providing at our oh, yeah. Westminster Basement Group. The Westminster Basement Group, in case you didn't already know, is a Facebook group that we that was put together 10 years ago. Yeah, probably. Uh, by a group of about six people. And uh, they're all either Whitworth grads or spouses of Whitworth grads. And uh, I, th I think our de facto leader must be Bill Willem because Bill Willem uh, is, was a professor at Whitworth when the rest of us were students there. And although he's only about four or five years older than most of us, uh, he's kind of held this position of not authority, but of what? Wisdom? But in a kind of, Bill is such an unassuming human that it, you know, he's just, he's just being Bill, basically. But he has a quality about him that makes you want to learn what he knows. And uh, he's got a, kind of a panoramic and encyclopedic knowledge of, of literature um, that is one of the reasons that we all feel like there's more to learn from him all the time. 
And so we corralled him into into presenting some concepts about the literary uh, genre of comedy. Well, I don't think that we had any idea that he was going to do it on comedy. That was his... Mm -hmm. We just wanted him to... Teach us something, Bill. Teach him something. Teach us something, Bill. Can we have a class? Because all these people were people that had been in a class except for me and I wanted to experience what it would like to be in a class with him and I've really found because he said that he had done this this course at the community college where he taught uh, before he retired and Wayne Community College in Eugene Oregon and it was one of his favorite things to talk about was uh, the genre of comedy, and not comedy like comic ha 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 kind of comedy, but just the whole. Uh, I want to say the the path that comedy uh, follows right. a certain um, uplift of a path. So even if the the comedy that you're watching is not something that you're laughing about or it even may have some poignant moments but it's got a certain uh arc to the to the storytelling that makes it comedy versus a tragedy and uh, you know his simplification of it is you know in tragedy everybody dies at the end in comedy everybody gets married at the end so it's that kind of thing i just find that when (coughs) after we have attended these courses I mean, I think of it as a course. I know that he's just saying that he's giving comments, but he basically is providing us almost like a syllabus, a outline of what he's going to talk about, quotes for us to think about, uh, various things that we might want to um, ponder before the the uh, session. The session. Yeah. And I think that he was thinking, well, you know, we've been talking and we want to keep it light and uh, I don't want to, to make the, my comments be the whole of our conversation. But, but there really isn't a way to go back to just a regular conversation when you're delving into these concepts because then you are seeing everything in your life in some ways related to that uh that information and i've just loved that yeah and there's a there's a quality of comfort in having bill take on the you know the pedagogical role and the rest of us kind of respond and as if we're in a class discussion about some broad topics or some whatever specifics that come up uh, sparking off of him and i think that's one of the things that have i still remember when you and I went to Ashland for that long weekend and Bill came down and we all stayed in this house together. And Bill was basically staying at the house, cooking meals for us and giving us a great discussions about the plays we were seeing or going to see. Even though he didn't go to Even the plays. Even though he didn't go to most of the plays. <laughs> he just thought it would be fun to come down and, and, you know, interact. And he was still teaching, I think, at that time. And, and, uh, so it wasn't as long a trip for him as it was for us to get down to Ashland. But they, we were there for the whole weekend, and we just had this um, glorious time, which was made up of these conversations, you know, 
where we would just sit around the kitchen table and, and talk about stuff. And it was just amazing. And it was like, you know, I felt like I was absorbing so much, not just through the plays, but through the conversations about the plays and getting a, getting a context for what I was seeing that was really extending my experience, you know, or expanding my experience. So, Especially because we were going to uh, some of these plays during a time where uh, one of the theaters in Ashland had had issues. A some beam s- a was... A structural issue in one yeah. of the big theaters, and they had to close it down. So they, they had these plays rehearsed. They had the costumes and everything, but they couldn't hold it in the theater. And so what we did is you had... They refunded the tickets to you for any plays if, that if you... If you wanted to. If, if you, you want... No, they refunded it. They did? Yes, oh, okay. they refunded it. The, the going to see it at the at the uh, armory? armory was free. Oh. They were just they the actors wanted to do it. Wow. So yeah, they staged these plays without sets or most of the costumes and props at this armory hall, and we went and saw uh, to kill a mockingbird. To kill a mockingbird. And it was absolutely one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in the theater. Mine too. Yeah, it was so, uh, I don't know what, what, what it was, but part of it was the, uh, the lack of everything. You know, the lack of the sets and the lack of the props. and, and It just like really that. made it uh, about the words right. and the acting. Yes. And the acting was just incredible. It was. But we would come back to the house that we were renting uh, through Airbnb, and Bill would listen to our raptures of about these plays, and then he would talk about the plays, and it just felt like such a totality of experience. Yeah, it was like you're getting to you're you're getting a look behind the scenes you know after the fact you you're you're come home and you're buzzing from the from what you've just seen and then you get to talk about it for a couple of hours with somebody who knows more about these things than you do and it was just like you know and he just did this because he thought it would be fun i know and it was just an extraordinary gift that i have never forgotten and i will always uh honor him for just you know, for thinking it would be fun. And I think it was fun. We all had a great time. And now that experience is being continued through, for me anyway, through this this idea that, because we had been bothering him for some time about <laughs> yeah, but this. You, you know, but you, I think that I was the one that was really pushing for it because I had never, never experienced been, a yeah. class with him. Yeah. And I think that the reason why it is so phenomenal is because of his humility and sort of like, oh, I'm just going to give you a few ideas. And he had said to me specifically, if you ever talk about me and my past at Whitworth, don't ever say I was a professor. I wasn't. I was an instructor. Right. But those, it just seems sort of silly to even... Yeah, those, those distinctions are, are immaterial. Really. Because... He is far more of, if you want to say that Professor has more distinguished uh, feeling to it than an instructor, I would say that he is far more the Professor than many 
people that I've ever learned from. Part of my Whitworth experience, uh, not just with Bill, but with other professors too, I think of Phil Eaton in this regard too, was that you get to be friends with this guy. And so your discussion can happen anywhere at any time that you happen to run into him. It's like an ongoing uh, sense of being instructed, not just in the material that you're covering in class, but in in an approach to living and an approach to learning. And so part of what was so expansive in my life and going to college was understanding that the, the multiple purposes that learning about things like this can, can give you, how it can enrich you in so many ways uh, to read something that is fictional, but is, you know, encapsulates something about being a human being on the planet and, you know, expands your horizons. And it's just, I don't know. I don't even know how to put it. But Bill was the embodiment of that, not just an instructor, but a mentor and a uh, somebody who taught you about an approach to life that was, that was open and receptive and ready. Uh, and, it, you know, there was a certain kind of vigilance involved. Uh, a kind of active awareness uh, and willingness to engage, you know, that was really unique to my experience at that point in terms of uh, my education. And it's been, you know, the way I've tried to live my life ever since. So it was just amazing his example uh, extending way past the classroom. So, And I... It's interesting to me that um, I was talking to my life coach yesterday. Yesterday was one of my life coach sessions. And I was saying, during this last month, I have felt like something about the way that things are falling into my life is like I'm, I'm going back to college. I mean, I'm literally going back to college and that I'm taking a University of Washington course through the access program in critical race theory. And, but then I have this, uh, these sessions with the Westminster basement group. I have my own self-imposed sessions with, uh, reading Carl Jung and, and watching Joseph Campbell. We have our own, uh, choices of watching documentaries. Um, I have my, my newly, exciting situation with Kathy that's almost like a biography course. I, I feel like I'm, I'm deeply immersed in uh, learning from a joy of learning, and it gives me an entirely different feeling than what I had when I was trying to strive for a grade and, and thinking about education as the thing that you do to get ahead in life. Now it's, it's an education trying to bring the information that I've learned in my life into some sort of understanding. And, uh, and also an exposure to things that, that uh, by virtue of the culture in which we grew up, we've never had a chance to learn. Yeah. Didn't even know existed. And, you know, trying to incorporate that in and, and let it into our bodies to in a way that will uh, that will hopefully enhance our interactions with people from here on. It's, it's really an interesting time of life. 
uh, for me too. I feel I feel like I'm participating with you in a in a kind of broadening of knowledge uh, from a desire to know rather than a desire to succeed or a desire to you know get a grade or anything like you're saying. Well, and also the the other thing I've been noticing for some time now, and I had uh, thought it was because of the isolation that the pandemic was forcing, but I have felt for some time now that we are having conversations now with our friends that remind me of the, the conversations we once had in college before the the pressures of life uh, make you distract you. Well, what I was going to say is make you think that you don't have the time time for for that kind of stuff anymore. Because of course you're learning a lot to, to just survive. I think. And also there's a, there's that thought that, you know, you, you graduate from college and now it's time to put all that thought into action. Yeah. So you get involved in the action. And, uh, you know, the thought is something that existed in the past. So, yeah. But in actuality, I think that uh, to bring that, uh, to bring it into action, you have to keep the thoughts in, in front of you yeah. more than you do. But I've just felt like the conversations I've been having with my brother, with Shelly, my life coach, with Kathy, with our Westminster Basement group, the my friend Cindy, uh, all these people that I have been having really long and just glorious feeling of immersing in conversation. It's just been amazing. So for me, I guess I, uh, the week that has, that has been the thing that has been resonating throughout the week for me. And even the fact that you were talking about um, Bill Woolham being this, you didn't, you were skirting away from the the word elder, I think. But, you know, a a person doesn't have to be that much older than you to be sort of the elder in the situation. That that person is immersed in something that that you're attracted to in terms of wanting to know more. But there's there's something about being in that position where you are not doing something for your own career rise and I have been experiencing that at work recently myself because I've been doing this set of presentations um, about a work task that is difficult for a lot of people to do and I've been finding that that the fact that I do not have any vested interest in how I appear that my ego is not driving this as much as my desire to impart this information. Um, it, it does a whole different focus. Um, it just is, it's more enjoyable for me. I'm less likely to stumble and what I, I'm not thinking, Oh my God, how do I look? Or what am I saying? Will anybody be impressed? I, I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to, help and I always find that when people are in that state for educating others I think that that's when education is more helpful because it's almost like you're not you're not uh 
trying to get anything out of it other than the joy of passing it on. Right. And that's how it feels when Bill's talking. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I know what anyway. you're saying. It's a it's a rich uh, time, and I feel that it's because we are at this point in our aging process that we have this uh, a sense of a rediscovery of the ideas and talking about ideas and and uh, talking about how the, those ideas have expressed themselves in our life and experience and stuff like that. And, well, certainly, I mean, as the Bill and Diane show would be ample proof, we talk about ideas all the time, but uh, but I just feel like our ability to just sit down and have long conversations with friends, too, has been such a, a an outgrowth of this period of time for me, to realize, yes, I... Because you were laughing at me when I got off the phone with Kathy and saying, was that Kathy the whole time? And I said, yeah. And you said, that was a three-hour conversation. And I said, yeah, <laughs> sure was. Yeah. Diane, <laughs> Diane has these epic phone calls now and with her brother or with uh, Kathy or with uh, Shelly or with Kat or, you know, somebody. And uh, it's kind of, it's amazing to hear her down here with, laughing and having a good time and realizing, boy, she's been doing that for a couple of hours now. It's amazing. And I get to come down and hear all about it. So, you know, it's enriching of my life, too, this stuff that you're exploring and going through. So the music today is, uh, Bill was asking about, um, he thought that I had an idea last week, and maybe I had this idea last week, I can't remember what I was talking about last week, okay. but uh, but one of the in-depth conversations I've been having is with Tom Ogburn, a graphic illustrator who did a lot of covers for uh, albums of various musicians that we know. And I had this idea of asking him to do an article for the Ancient Victories publication, uh, which is coming right up at the end of May. And the reason why I thought about it was because um, he often posts on Facebook and he writes really interesting posts and they're long. And I was thinking he is a really great writer. And I thought it would be interesting to ask him about... uh, what it's like to be a collaborator in a project for a CD or uh, or it used to be that he, that he was able to do LPs right. because I've always been interested in album art uh, and how that process works because it's so much a part of the whole and I think a lot of people don't think about it. they just get the the package but but I thought about it a lot because since I was with Victory Music and we were getting albums all the time and I was thinking how differently each person was packaging their their CDs or their their cassette tapes. And so uh, I was so thankful that that intuition crossed my mind because it's just been a fascinating um, discovery for me. 
and so Tom has been writing quite a bit and uh, the very first album art he ever did was for Tom Dundee and Tom Dundee lived in Seattle for a while and he is uh, was dear friends with a lot of our friends and he formed like this connection that I was always hearing about because he lived here for a while but then he went back to his native Chicago uh, and Kat lived in Chicago for a while so it was like almost like this this interchange between the Chicago singer-songwriters and the Seattle singer-songwriters that right. really fascinated me and I felt very blessed to have been introduced to all these uh, singer-songwriters in the Chicago area that were so famous over there that I would never have heard about had it not been for Kat living there for a while. And Tom Dundee was one of those people. I don't know. I do know that uh, people used to sing his song on the Victory Music stages, the a Delicate Balance, which we're going to provide here. But anyway, I just have been really I thinking first, about I it. I first heard of Tom Dundee through Riley and Maloney because they covered several of his songs, including A Delicate Balance. That's right. And my friend Karen and I used to actually perform A Delicate Balance at coffee houses together. And maybe you're the one who sang it on the Victory Music stage. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. But I remember hearing it back then. Yeah. And thinking what a beautiful song it was. But to tell you the truth, I don't think I had the understanding of it then that I do now. Well, that's true. You know? Songs, you know, songs will catch you. Some aspect of a song will catch you at one point in your life. And then it, later on in life, you're listening to it again and you're, you're, you're hearing things you never heard before. It's like a like a reading a book or something, you know? Well, the, the thing that really struck me this time was the line, the sport that infinity gives. I just thought, what a amazing way of saying it, you know? I, I just, anyway, I've just been thinking about that song a lot. I was thinking about it before my life coaching, actually, because, uh, when I'm talking to Shelley about my thoughts and everything, one of the things that I realize is that what I am doing, I, I identified what my goal was to uh, this session for the first time. And that goal is how to acquiesce about aging and eventually dying. I mean, the the idea of not fighting it you know you don't have to be happy that that's the way that life is but at the same time that you are not fighting that right. that in, in inevitability and a lot of this has been informed by my my in-depth love of joseph campbell and i but i was really thinking about it recently and for some reason that song just sort of floated in my mind it's a delicate balance you know because with all of these things you really it really feels like you're always on this tightrope of how do I manage this life how do I go through this because you know especially about aging people are always talking about rage rage against the there's this kind of feeling of you should be fighting it you should be um saying this is this shouldn't happen to me and 
And you don't want to capitulate either. But it's a delicate balance. How do you how do you gracefully go through this period and gracefully learn how to let things go? Because it's almost like in the, the upswing you're you're accumulating, in the downswing you're not, you're you're trying to give things away. So how do you gracefully just let that that uh, ebb start happening without it being resented or to just see it as the natural flow of a life. And that, I think, is what I really was after all along that I've just been dancing around the edges of recently. But um, Well, I mean, uh, I think that retirement is something that throws that that uh, issue kind of up in your face in a very uh, tangible way because the thing that you're needing to let go of has been such a huge part of your life and such a huge part of your identity. So, yeah, it makes sense that this, this would be a time where you're trying to figure out how to do that with grace. And Tom Denzi's song just really summed it up so beautifully in my mind that I thought, yeah, that's the, that's the song I've been thinking about this week. And uh, we are also going to include uh, a Tom Denzi song that was sung by Cat and Michael Johnson together uh, that I just think is so beautifully done. And was, did this appear on the tribute album? Was it on that tribute album? Where was this? Uh, where was this song ever available, other than I as just a track? I can't remember if it was on the tribute album. It, I think they sang it on the tribute album, but I don't <coughs> think it was this <coughs> version of it. Oh, okay. But it's a gorgeous song. It is a gorgeous. And it's song. a gorgeous arrangement. So, so little Tom Dundee. Deep within there's a vision Where time is nothing but space And between every minute and mile that is in it Somehow there's a beautiful face And it's all such a delicate balance This sport of infinity gives That expectations we have can lead down path where that devil discouragement lives Well I dreamed I was barer than naked And it scared me so badly I called Help me back to the prison with the chains of the living Although nothing hurt me at all And it's all such a delicate path as it turns through the circles of air The two worry does nothing But steals from the love Robs from the pleasure that's here To worry does nothing But steals from the love Robs from the pleasure that's here
deep within there is a feeling To love and understanding there's a door And honesty is the key Giving you and me To open it and so many more And it's all such a delicate route It takes away it just as much as it gives And to live it is real And to love it is to feel that you're a part of what everything is It's all such a delicate house It takes away just as much as it gives And to live it is real To love it is to feel that you're a part of what everything is Thank you. It's been a long time since I talked to you, but I think about you now and then. I thought of calling too. So there you are, and here I am at last. The line's so clear. Sound so near, it's like no time has passed. I haven't been planning ahead these days, but you know I never did. I guess I haven't changed my ways. There's that laugh just like in my memory. Has everything come back again, or did it never leave? Love doesn't die, love is like a river Coming from the mountain above into the valley below You can try to change the way that it's going But you're never gonna keep it from flowing Love doesn't die, love doesn't die. Well, I heard you got somebody new. It took a little time to change my mind. I got somebody too. Still, my thoughts of you keep coming back. Never try to hide them with There's no need for that Love doesn't die Love is like a river Coming from the mountains above Into the valley below You can try to change the way that it's going But you're never gonna keep it from flowing Love doesn't die So long again next time Call me when the rates are down Maybe drop a line It's getting late, I better go 
Don't forget to give my best to everyone we know. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. I'm glad to hear you still feel that way. I still feel it too. Love doesn't die. Love is like a river. Coming from the mountain above and through the valley below. You can try to change the way that it's going, but you're never gonna keep it from flowing. Love doesn't die. Love doesn't die. Love doesn't die. Love is like a river. Coming from the mountains above and through the valley below. You can try to change the way that it's going, but you're never gonna keep it from flowing. Love doesn't die. Love doesn't die. Love doesn't die.